Halachos of Pesach this evening. We're going to focus particularly on the preparation for Pesach. We're going to have a three-week series of Mirza Hashem. Next week we'll get more into what's done closer to Pesach and the Pesach Seder. And then the next week we'll get into Divri Torah of the Agoda. Tonight we're going to focus on preparing our house for Pesach. Okay, so koshering for Pesach, how to make things, uh, uh, how to make things kosher, Get it all, uh, get it all set, as well as what needs to be checked, and get a little bit into the night of Bedikas Chametz. So here we go. First of all, there's a pasuk. The pasuk says, "The ways of the Torah are pleasant, and everything it brings out is completion, is peace. All of the paths and the ways of Torah." So, point number one that my parents would share with me. In general, and this applies specifically to Pesach, and that is, if it gets too hard, we're not doing it right. Okay? If it gets too hard, we're not doing it right. Because mitzvahs and halacha is here to help live a pleasant, beautiful life. Okay. Now, with that being said, with that being said, and the ways of the Torah are pleasant, and to keep this, uh, you know, not too complicated, there is a biblical trans- uh, transgression to own chametz. Okay? You're not supposed to see chametz that you own on Pesach. You're allowed to see chametz. You're allowed to walk into Shnuk. You're allowed to walk into the supermarket and see somebody else's chametz. You can't have your own. You're not allowed to find it. These are two different transgressions. They do overlap, obviously. Just try to trans- translate it and you'll see that they overlap. But bottom line is, it is forbidden to have chametz in one's possession. Okay? Now, what's chametz? Chametz is something that comes from the five grains, that touches water, um, barley, Rye, oats, wheat, and spelt, those five grains, known as brows with this, without the E at the end, B-R-O-W-S, barley, rye, oats, wheat, and spelt, these things could become chametz. Anything else cannot become chametz. Kinwa cannot be chametz. Now, you can have a conversation about, about uh, you know, depending on which kashra symbol you follow, whether kinwa should be eaten on Pesach. According to the star K, no problem whatsoever. Sfar to meat rice on Pesach. Rice cannot become chametz. There's an Ashkenazic custom to not eat rice, but that's a custom. It's not because we think rice is chametz. Rice is certainly not chametz. But it's a minug. And as, as we're going to see from the poskim, that the, all of the customs that we have when it comes to Pesach, as much as it's meant to be beautiful and it's, we're not supposed to overdo it. However, Yisrael are Kedoshim, that's the expression. The Jewish people are holy, and especially when it comes to Pesach, we do go above and beyond what is, um, what is expected. So if anybody does go too far, don't make fun. That's their minug, that's what they're doing. All right, but we want to know for ourselves, just what do I need to do? Okay, what do I need to do over here? So here we go. Let's get into the halachos of kashering items for Pesach. As a rule, as a general rule, it's always better to have separate utensils for Pesach. Okay, this is the general rule. As a general rule, it's always better to have separate utensils. You don't even need a kasher. I got this, I got this for Pesach, I got this not for Pesach. Okay, now, obviously many of us do not have the, either the space or the financial abilities to have everything, everything uh, separate for Pesach. Okay, so how do we kasher things? So let's focus on the kitchen at first. We'll start with the oven, where most uh, food comes from, okay? So let's start with that. So how do we kosher our oven? So somebody has a gas stovetop. If you have a gas stovetop, 
So we need to focus on koshering the grates of the stovetop. The stovetop itself, away from the flame, really cannot be koshered. So ideally, we want to cover that area and you know, ideally uh, cover it so that nothing can become chametz on it. But even if, even if not, I mean, make sure that any food that falls on the general areas of the stovetop is not eaten and obviously scrubbed down very well. But the grates themselves, which the pots are going to be on, we want to kosher. So how do you kosher it? If you have a gas, sto- gas stovetop, it's very, very simple. Okay? And that is, take any pot. Any pot means any pot. Chametz. Not chametz, milchiks, fleishiks, parif, take any pot that covers the area of the grate. Okay, so a nice wide pot, put, put in some water. How much water does it make? You don't want to burn your pot. So you want to have a little bit of water in the pot. And you turn the flame on high for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, your grate is kashered for Pesach. You're done. That's what happens, and you do that by each flame that you have on the gas stovetop. So if you, you can do them all at once, you can do one after the other, whatever you want. Gas stovetop, 15 minutes on top. Okay. If you have an electric stovetop, we'll take questions afterwards, we'll get through this. If you have an electric stovetop, so what do you do? Wait till the coils turn red, if you have one of those electric stovetops. Wait till it turns red, and after 10 minutes, you're fine. If you have the type of electric stovetop where it doesn't turn red and it stays black, wait 20 minutes. Scrub down the rest of the area. Shalom al Yisrael. Your stovetop is now kashered for Pesach. If somebody has a glass stovetop, uh, which in general is not really recommended, it's very, very complicated. There's ways, obviously, you know, if you need, you need in general, in a, if somebody knows they're going to, if they're pur- somebody's purchasing a new oven and you know you want to use that oven for Pesach, it's not so recommended to use one of those that have a glass stove top. But if somebody does, feel free, uh, feel free to ask. If anybody has any questions, by the way, as we go through this, please write it down, write down your question and, and we'll, we'll take them all at the end just so we get through the, the general luchas for everybody. Okay. So we discussed the gas stove top and electric stove top. And a glass. What about the oven itself? So very simple if you have a self-cleaning oven. If you have a self-cleaning oven, guess what? Put on the self-clean, you're done. You don't need to scrub it out. What? You don't need to scrub it out. You put it on self-clean, you run it. Now, you could scrub it out. Again, you could always do more. You could always do more. This is specific to a self-cleaning oven. You also do not need to wait 24 hours before doing a self-clean. You put on your self-clean and you're good. This is Libun Gummer. This is, this is a category of a local Libra Gomer. You do a complete Libun, a complete burning out, complete purging. You don't need it. Now, if your oven is non-self-clean, then you need to scrub it out. Scrub it out well. The, the door of the oven, the walls of the oven, scrub it out very well. Make sure to use an oven cleaner. Wait 24 hours before koshering your oven. And then put it on the highest possible temperature for up to an hour. Okay. So that takes care of most ovens. If you have self-clean, self-clean. If it's not self-clean, again, I want to reiterate, we're, I want you to deal with what you have to do, okay? Again, if it's not self-clean, an hour on the highest, wait till it gets up, and then you start counting your hour, and uh, make sure it's scrubbed out well, and you should wait 24 hours beforehand as well. What about the oven knobs? Oven knobs don't need to be koshered because they don't re- really ever become hot, but since it's it's a high touch point. People are always, you're always touching it with the grease and then this. So make sure it's, it's cleaned very, very well. Let's move now on to the sinks. We started with the ovens. Let's move on to the sinks. So if somebody has a stainless steel sink, which is ideal for koshering, 
a stainless steel sink is the easiest thing to kasher. So a stainless steel sink, we must wait 24 hours where no chametz entered the sink. Now, a lot of people are very careful that the sink is not used for 24 hours. Technically, if water goes into the sink, there's no problem. Chametz can't go, can't uh, touch it for a 24 hour period. Okay, then we're gonna, we now want to kasher it. It's 24 hours later, it's scrubbed out, it's clean, it's sparkling, it's beautiful. Okay, so let's go. So, how are we gonna kasher this sink? So, we wait 24 hours, we make sure it's dry before the initial, what's called hadgala, before the, the initial pouring of hot water into the sink. We wait 24 hours. We then take boiling water, which means water that is a rolling boil. For safety-wise, ideally, if somebody has a tea kettle, again, it doesn't matter if it's milk, if it's flesh, if it's, right? okay? Doesn't matter, you want to bring it to a rolling boil. Um, it could be a pot, it could be a pot also, but just for safety's sake, you want a bit? Make sure it's mamish boiling, you take it and you pour it over each spot in the sink. Now, once the sink is wet, when you start a kashering, it's okay, you don't need to dry it out in between each thing. Okay, but initially it should be dry, and then you try to nail each spot. Okay, now, one thing to keep in mind as well is, when you're, when you're boiling up the water, you don't need your grapes to be kosher for Pesach. You don't need to kosher your grapes first, so that the kettle that you're putting on the grates can now be brought up. It's okay. okay. Even if you're kashering your sink before anything else, that works as well. Now, the main thing is don't get hurt. Don't get hurt with this, okay? This is a, it's a process. Um, I could just, you know, you know when you go to a, a Sheva Brachas and people start giving you their tips on marriage, you know what went on in their house. That's what happens. You know, you know what goes on with their Shalom bias, right? I could say my uh, Arab Pesach experience is don't wear Crocs while you're doing this. Make sure you're wearing Gans Finer shoes, okay, in case any water spills on the floor. And if you wear glasses, they will fog up. So know where you're going beforehand, all right? Because all the steam, you start pouring, all the steam comes up. All of a sudden, I can't see. I don't know what's happening. Okay, so there's a few little uh, tricks to the trade that have come along. You People lay out towels around to make sure it doesn't go leaking down to the basement, whatever it is, you know, you want to go all over the floor, fine. Be careful. <laughs> Just be careful. That's a stainless steel sink. Now that applies as well to the parts of the sink. Ideally, if somebody can take apart their sink and do a full-fledged hagala on it, and, uh, so then gesundheit, you could do that. You know, if you know how to quickly unscrew it, put it back on. Otherwise, you do hagala on the parts of the sinks as well. You do iroi, you take the boiling water, and you pour it over the handle and all the, all the other parts. Okay. Now, some people have porcelain sinks. A porcelain sink is not as easy to kosher. It seems the regular derech, the regular way that people do kosher porcelain sinks is whatever process we just mentioned of the 24 hours. and uh, So they just do, what, they do the same thing, but three times. If you do, a lot of people kosher porcelain, they do the whole process three times and then they still cover it. They put like these, these covers inside the sink anyway. Okay, again, Hagala is fine. Hagala works. However, like we said in the beginning, if you could take it apart and you have different parts for Pesach, gesundheit. hate. That's totally, you know, that that's uh, that's even better. It's totally the same. Fine. So we have the ovens. We have the stovetops. We have the sink. What about a microwave? What about a microwave? So microwaves are an interesting shaila. It's an interesting conversation. In general, what we'll say is they're really, in general, not so expensive. Sometimes microwaves are $75 or so. Whatever. If a person could purchase a new one for Pesach, that would be ideal. But 
if a person, for various reasons, doesn't have the space, financially it's difficult, so then there's ways to cash your microwave for Pesach. What do we do? We wait 24 hours, okay? You wait 24 hours before koshering. Make sure that within that 24 hours, all of the walls of the microwave, as well as the plates inside, are completely scrubbed down. Take a few cups that are microwave safe. Uh, it could be foam cups, disposable foam cups. Fill them up with water, put it on high, and let it steam for 20 minutes. After those 20 minutes, your microwave is now kosher for Pesach. That's how you kosher. If people need to kosher microwave for Pesach, that's how, uh, that's how it's done. Okay, so those are the general household items and the koshering process. Now, what items can I kosher? Okay, so we'll start with ones that we generally try not to. And that is glass. Okay, the minhug, this is a minhug. The custom generally is not to kosher glass items for Pesach and to have a different set of stem glasses or whatever glasses you're going to use. You can go to Dollar Tree, they have them, you know, for uh, now with Dollar 25, inflation, yeah, uh, went up. But ideally to, to change over the glasses. However, if there's a pressing need for whatever reason, a person has a specific reason why they want to use this glass bowl. This was the great grandmother's and it went through whatever, it went through the Holocaust. Well, people have, they have reasons why they want to use it on Pesach. So then you could rely on the 12 month waiting period. When it comes to glass, you wait 12 months and then, and then you can go through a, a you know, that's, if, if, if you wait 12 months, then it would be okay. All right. So that takes care of uh, the, um, uh, glass items. Oh, one thing uh, we didn't mention is in the kitchen, another, um, uh, another, what's the proper word for it? Like, like an oven and a microwave. What, what are the, all the, what's the general category? Appliances. Appliances. Thank you. Wow. Other appliances we didn't mention is refrigerators and freezers. All right, so what do you do with your refrigerator and freezer? So refrigerator and freezer must be emptied out and scrubbed down. Okay, because there's very often there's going to be real chametz and food is kept there. Your Pesach food is going to be put into this fridge and freezer where there's going to be perhaps a little a, a, a real chametz, a little pit of a pretzel that can fall into the Pesach food. So it must be emptied and scrubbed down. There are people who have a custom in their family to also line their shelves. Some refrigerators, if it's not your personal custom, you don't have to. There is a minhug out there. It's worthwhile mentioning people do line the shelves. Sometimes it'll ruin your refrigerator and freezer because it gets in the way of the airflow. If it's going to ruin your refrigerator and freezer, then obviously it's, uh, it's not recommended. The main thing is to make sure that no chametz is stuck in, uh, in any uh, cracks or no chametz is left behind. So that's, that's what we do with our, fridge, with our uh, fridge and our freezer. Okay, what about countertops? Let's move on to the kitchen counter. So the best thing to do as far as countertops is concerned, scrub it down, cover them up. Does not need to be tinfoil, contrary to popular pictures. Yeah, you don't need to wrap yourself in, uh, in tinfoil or your counters. It could be anything that's a, that's a heavy-duty cover. And nowadays, they have so many options, really. But, you know, besides for laying out wood, they have thick plastics you could bend over. It could even be clear. You know, they have these thicker, clear plastics. Uh, you bend it over, and mamish, you know, and it, uh, it covers it well. So ideally, scrub it down well and... And cover them. Now there are ways to kosher certain countertops. If it's if it's stone, granite, you're able to kosher, and the way to kosher will be similar to a sink. 
Okay, you take the boiling water, you pour it over the countertops. There are other ways to do it with a hot rock and, and to lay it out. There are other ways, but um, other synthetic and composite materials, um, including granite composite, really cannot be koshered and must, uh, and, and must be covered. Okay, now, wh- how do I actually kosher if I don't want to cover my counters? Again, if you want to cover, you don't need to, you, you just scrub it down and cover it. What if I don't want to cover on my counters, on my stone counters? What if I want to kosher it? Okay? So we use Eroy Reischen, like we said, same as a sink, the pouring of the hot water. And um, that's taking water that's straight from a pot, which, uh, a pot that was directly on the heat. Um, that you need actual water to kosher, not steam. So it used to be people were, you know, we, you, Big, the big towel event. You get all your bath towels out and you're pouring, right? And recently there became a, a, a very hot topic, a, a new possibility, so to speak, which is steamers, where you take a steamer that has water inside and now it brings it up above 212 degrees Fahrenheit and now you actually have boiling water steaming out and it's much, it's much cleaner on the counter. Now the problem with this, according to our Heinemann and the Star K, you're going to hear different things from different postkin, but it's really not so simple. Um, they actually did their own research, and they came out that they're great at researching the Star K, uh, this type of thing. They came out with one particular commercial um, steamer called a Volcano some number or other, which is very, very expensive, uh, that actually kept up to halacha. All the other ones, they really found that as the steam came out, it, it had already become steam before it was able to have be water on the counter, okay? So the steaming option is really, uh, it's, it's really not so practical, but there is something else that could be done that might be practical for some kitchens, which is if you pour a little layer of water, so you know there's water there. Now this could be time consuming, but it might be cleaner for some bit. And then you take just a hot iron and heat up the water on the countertop, that would work. Now, obviously that is... That's, you know, it takes a lot of time and you'd have to go over each spot, but that halakhically would be okay. If a person doesn't want to be pouring hot water everywhere and again, they don't want to cover it. So then this would be a, this would be a valid option, but to cover the countertops would be what's ideal. All right. Now, any areas you can't reach with koshering. So a well-known hack for how to make things kosher for Pesach is a little spray, a little spray of bleach, a little bit, because once anything is not fit to be eaten by a dog, it's not considered chametz. So once you spray, let's say, in, in between any crack that's there, you don't need to be concerned and be digging down. Give a little spritz, give a little, and therefore, even if there is a little bit there, it's okay, there's no concern, it's not even called chametz anymore. Fine. Um, a couple other things is high chairs, okay? If somebody has a high chair that a baby eats in very often, you know, there's, uh, there's food that get into every crack, you, the ones you can't even see. What do you do with a high chair? Since we make sure not to give babies hot food, it's actually quite easy because we assume the trays are not real chametz. Chametz is when there's heat that went into it. Nobody's going to put down really hot food in front of their baby directly on the tray. And therefore, for a high chair, just cover over the tray, look around, make sure nothing in the cracks, and, uh, and that'll suffice. Okay, now what about koshering braces? It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. But where did I get this from? Behind him and from the Star K. Shlita, he's got the best jokes on Pesach. He's the best. So when I was in... 
kashering braces. You have braces, metal braces. So when I was in high school, when I was in, when I was in Ner Yisrael, so Rabbi Heinemann every year before Pesach comes in and he gives a shear on the halachos. And you can ask him any question you want. Pesach, not Pesach. So a kid says, I lo- I, you know, I, he says, I'm able to handle very hot foods. He loves eating a hot foods. And he has braces. So he asked Rabbi Heinemann, how does he kosher his braces for Pesach? What should he do? No, first he says, do I need a kosher? So Rabbi Heinemann has a very dry sense of humor. He says, uh, absolutely. <laughs> he says, what should I do? He said, two options. Either use a blowtorch or stick your head in the oven and turn it on to 550. <laughs> that was, <laughs> and that was it. And he moved on to the next question. Stop, with, <laughs> stop driving me crazy. All right, you don't need to cost your braces. You're fine. Somebody has braces, though. It's worthwhile just uh, taking a toothpick and uh, cleaning them out. Okay, that's as far as uh, high chairs are concerned. The braces was a joke. All right, now, technically, as far as what am I allowed to use on the table, so really... Tablecloths, the Paiskim are all in agreement. You, can, you don't need new tablecloths for Pesach. Now again, it seems like people do have just separate utensils. But a tablecloth that's washed out well with detergent, even if there would be something and already it was soaked out, you washed it well, and you don't need to change the tablecloth. Um, silverware in the kitchen. Let's stick, to, let's stick with the kitchen for uh, just one more moment. And uh, silverware, so instead of pouring hot water on it, you actually put it into the pot of boiling water or anything else that's metal that you want to kosher for Pesach, you dunk it into the hot water. Now, here's, a, here's an important idea. You can't do more than one at once because as soon as you put a utensil that's not hot into the pot, we have to assume the pot is immediately cooled off. And therefore, if you were to dunk a few uh, pieces at once, now you could leave it in, you know, and, and see it boil, make sure it's still boiling and put another one in. You don't need to take the first one out before putting in the second one. But make sure you don't at once put multiple items in because then you might be cooling off the water too much. And at the time that it went in, um, it, didn't, uh, it didn't suffice. Okay, that's a general overview of, of the actual, uh, actual kashering. Okay, what about the, the cleaning and the checking of my house? So it's going to be very similar to where we're obligated to check as far as Bedikas Hametz is concerned. So let's get into this. When we clean our house for Pesach, what are we looking for? So again, let's preface. We do go Yisrael Kedoshim, as they say, the Jewish people are holy. We do go above and beyond what really needs to be done. But if we want to know what needs to be done, you don't, is dust Hametz? Everybody agrees, no. Everybody agrees, dust is not Hametz. So you don't need to go and clean out every place where there's dust. And as, as uh, my mother would say, and if you do that, that's fine, but don't blame your problems on Pesach. Blame it on spring. Right? That's spring cleaning, that's not Pesach cleaning. Okay? So you can do it, because don't the hate. But it's not Pesach's fault. You know, it's like, oh, hey, Pesach's coming, I've got to do a spring cleaning. It's not Pesach's fault. That's, that's, your, own, you know, you, that's your own decision. Okay. What, what are we looking for? What are we checking for? So really... Biblically, what, we, what we're looking for is any chametz that's the size of a kezayis. Any chametz that's the size of an olive. Okay? That's really what we're looking for. Now, we also need to look for things that's called a beria, which means even if something's smaller than an olive, but if that's how it was created, it's also a problem. So a cheerio, for example, since it's created that small, also is going to be a problem. 
So we're looking for pieces of something the size of a kazayas or even things that are smaller, a soup nut, right? Even things that are smaller needs to be checked for and searched out. Now, where do I need to look for chametz? The answer is, it depends on your home. Why? If you know that people do not bring chametz into your bedroom, you do not need to check your bedroom for chametz. If you know people bring chametz into your bedroom, but they don't bring chametz into your clothing drawers, you do not need to check your clothing drawers. You only, the only thing we need to check for is areas of the home that chametz is brought to. If you know chametz not brought somewhere, you don't need to check there. Okay? Fine. Even the areas of the home that we check, again, the midoraisa, what are we looking for? Either a beria, the way it was created, like a cherry or a soup nut, or something the size of a kezayis. This is the halacha, the raisa. However, again, the custom is to search as carefully as we can for, um, for any chametz. Now, once we do clean the house, and this is something that, again, coming from the family, I was told that if you do more than three, uh, it was four hours, I'm sorry, I don't want to misquote. Anybody who, who cleans more than four hours in an average size home outside the kitchen, you did a good job. Okay? Now, the kitchen itself takes time. There's always chametz in the kitchen and the cabinets. You're right, that takes time. But outside the kitchen, if you're doing more than four hours around the rest of your house, you're not looking for chametz. Because usually most people, unless they have a jumbo-sized home with, with 50 people living there, you know, okay, this room, the, the, this kid doesn't listen to the rules, right? This kid runs around with chocolate cake and, you know, touches every door handle. Okay, so I'm going to wipe down every... Anything past that, again, really, you already fulfilled the, uh, already fulfilled the obligation. What this, what this leads us to, by the way, is that, you know, the mitzvah of Bedikas Hametz, checking for Hametz, before... People didn't live in the same homes that we lived in. We live in large, even those of us who live in a small home, we live in homes that are much larger than they had when this was established. Bedikas Hametz was really when they cleaned for Pesach. Can you imagine? When they checked for Hametz, that was like, okay, so now we're cleaning for Hametz, the night before Pesach. That's when they're getting rid of everything. Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky writes that nowadays where we have so much cleaning done before Pesach, that, um, uh, so he says, that the night of Vedikas Hametz, you really don't need to do an in-depth check because any place that you know has been marked off and cleaned and whatever it is, so um, you don't need to go through every spot the night of Vedikas Hametz. We still should do a general overview of the area, but you don't need to check each uh, each, each individual spot. Okay. What other areas should we check for Hametz? The telephone. The telephone needs to be checked for chametz. Very often there's both cell phones and home phones. There's, there's little holes inside the phone. Not, and th- this is actually very important because since people eat when they're on the phone, there's a, even a greater chance that the chametz might fall into your food on Pesach. And even though usually by the laws of kosher, things are nullified in 60, that's not true on Pesach. Okay, so there's, there's a lot more stringencies on Pesach. We really need to be uh, careful uh, as well to look through our telephones, make sure that there's no, uh, there's no chametz stuck in there. As we explained, drawers, clothing drawers, if you know chametz doesn't go into your clothing drawer, you do not need to, uh, you do not need to check those areas. 
Clothing that one should check, for example, it's very, it used to be in style, it's not so much anymore, uh, cuffs on the bottom of pants or skirts, whatever. So very often, anybody who ever wears that style or used to wear this style, when you open up the cuff, you're like, how'd that get there, right? What in the world has been living inside this cuff? I don't, can't even imagine. So cuffs don't need to be checked, like with a flashlight, right? But they should be, uh, they should be shaken out. Okay. What about suitcases? Do I need to check my suitcases? The answer is, again, it depends. Are you the type of person that puts away suitcases without, making, without checking it over to see if, if you check in the pockets, make sure there's nothing in there? If you're the type of person that after you go on a trip, you check the pockets to make sure there's no food in there, you don't need to check your suitcase. You know it's ready kosher Pesach, but if you're not so sure, okay, so then maybe on the trip, you know, you left a, a box of crackers in there or a, a little bag of something. Checking books. So any books that could possibly have been brought to a table or you know that you're the type or somebody in your family is the type to munch on cookies or eat, bring it to the table while that book, so then that book should be shaken out before Pesach. If you know that you... Over the past year, this book has not been used near food or whatever. You don't need to shake it out. Again, use, just use the common sense. You don't, just because one book needs to be shaken out doesn't mean that a, a whole bookshelf of things that you never looked at in seven years and all, the only time you touch them is before Pesach to shake them out. You don't need to do that. You already did it the past six years. You're fine. Right? No, food, no food has gotten near there. You did your job. But if it's the type of book that's been taken out, don't we? so then, then we do check it. Okay. Again, you don't need to check with a flashlight, but because comments, shake that type of thing out. Benchers, birchas hamazon, those things are brought to a table. So that's certainly, it's the post can really recommend having different benchers for Pesach, even though we should shake them out anyway to make sure we don't own chametz, going back to how we started out. There's still an issue of balira balimatza. We don't want to have chametz in our possession. So we still want to shake it out, but still, it's worthwhile having different, uh, different benchers, different birchas hamazon. Okay. Things that are very heavy. We touched on this before about spritching the bleach. Something that's very heavy and hard to move. So there's two different types of very heavy things. Some people have, will take an oven or a fridge, okay? So some people are able to, either there's wheels, I have more strength, I have, depends on the person, depends on the situation, okay? If it's very hard to move, there's no obligation to move your refrigerator, to move your oven. You don't need to bring, you don't need to hire movers to move it out. So you could sweep underneath and then they can move it back. But if you're not going to move it, if you're not going to move it, use the idea of spray it with bleach. Okay? Spray down the sides, spray underneath any area that, uh, that can be reached. Something that is not so difficult to move out. So then it is worthwhile to just pull your fridge out, pull your oven out, make sure there's no, uh, there's no chumbits underneath there, so on and so forth. So what's the answer? Do you need to do it? It depends on your circumstance. Okay, if, if it's very, very hard, rely on the spray. And we also do bittel, right? We know, we, we all say, call chamira the chamira. We also, we make it ownerless. And uh, uh, we sell anything. We, we, we cover our bases. We make sure that we don't end up owning these things on Pesach. But there's still a mitzvah to... to um, Get, uh, there's still a mitzvah to uh, get rid of any chametz that we can get our hands on. Another interesting thing that comes up is if a person were to rent, let's say, a car on Cholomite Pesach. 
So when you rent a car, you basically are taking responsibility over that car. And there's and some car rental places are better than others at cleaning out their car. So now you don't have to do a badikas hummets when you, as soon as you rent the car, but it is worthwhile. Just a thought. It's worthwhile looking over the car to make sure they they, they didn't leave you with a mess because you walk, you got into a car and now you signed on it. You took a renter. You, you know you're now renting and all of a sudden you sit down and there's. You know, there's uh, pretzels that are sitting right there or some Cheerios from the guy before you's kids, car seat, whatever it is. So then, you know, we don't want that on Pesach. You know, we, we still made everything ownerless and we sold it. Okay, it's not good. But again, uh, uh, something else to keep in mind. What about, now let's get a little bit into Bedikas Hametz and then we'll start taking questions. The actual checking for Hametz on the night before Pesach. Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, Shlita, may he live and be well, he says that, you know, there's an old time minug in Klai to use a candle. Now here's the problem. The Gemara tells us that it's forbidden to check with a torch. You can't not use a, you cannot use a multi-wicked candle for Bedikas Hametz. Why not, says the Gemara, because you're not going to check well. Everyone's going to be too scared of starting a fire. So you're, if you have a, too large of a flame, no one's going to go near the corner, and therefore it defeats the whole purpose of checking. Says Rasul Kamenetsky, a single flame for us was a torch back then. We don't know how to walk around with candles now. What? <laughs> Come on. You light your candle. What do you think about the whole time? Don't drip the wax and don't light the curtains on fire. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm not thinking of where's the hummus. I'm like... Dude, just don't burn anything down. Right? Says of Shmuel, therefore, lechatchila. Ideally, ideally, he says, the mitzvah b'dikas chametz should be with flashlights. But, he says, listen, there is an age-old custom. We don't change. He says, here's what I write. He gives a recommendation. He says, listen, make your bracha on b'dikas chametz. Hold the candle for a minute. Walk to one place in your house, blow out your candle, turn on a flashlight. This way, your blessing was over a candle. You did a, a check for 30 seconds to 45 seconds, whatever, and then use your flashlight. But he really says that lehalacha, you're, you're getting a bigger mitzvah by using a flashlight because you're going to do a better checking, and that's the whole point. The whole, if you're busy the whole time, nervous about starting a fire, then you're getting, you're getting back to the torch problem. Okay, now, I don't know, when I, when I was a younger kid than I am now, um, we used to turn off all lights in the house when we checked. I don't know, it was like part of the, like, it was part of the ambiance of Badigas Chametz. You turn out the lights and all you have is like the candles and the flashlights. Like, ooh, we're going to track down this Chametz. You don't need to have the lights off. The lights in the house could be on. There's no problem whatsoever. Now, um, there's a dispute amongst the po- poskim about the ideal time to start Badigas Chametz. I don't want anybody to get scared. We still have some time, Chever. Don't worry about it, yeah? We're still uh, for Badikas Chametz. I think we're still two weeks from Thursday night. Yeah, we're still so. But we're just gonna once we're talking about the cleaning. I want to mention Badikas Chametz as well, so we can really focus on this, the laws of the Seder next time. Um, when exactly do we start the checking? So ideally, it should be started at Seisakuchavim when the stars come out, forty-five to fifty minutes after sunset. Some people after Shabbos wait till seventy-two minutes, ninety minutes. When it, you don't have to wait that long for this. 45, 50 minutes is okay. It's actually better to do it. You do the mitzvahs as soon as possible. Now there's a custom to put out 10 pieces of bread. What's interesting to note, again, going back to when I was a younger kid doing and lights are all out, we were not allowed to know where the 10 pieces of bread were. 
right? Whoever was putting it out was keeping a whole list. You mark it off. You don't want to lose that. The last thing you need is you cleaned your whole house and now you found eight out of ten. You know, you're, right? You got a problem. But uh, it's really not a game of hide and seek, okay? Even the people checking for chametz could be the ones who put it out. The reason why we put it out is because since we make a blessing and we know we already cleaned our house, we don't want it to be a bracha levatola, an unnecessary blessing. So we put out some chametz to make sure that we find something. But it doesn't really need to be a, ga- a game of Tom and Jerry. You don't need like, oh, I found it. It doesn't need to be. Okay, you can make it fun like that. Gesundheit, there's no problem. But again, fine. Now, it's always, uh, um, it's always better to check at night. Therefore, if a person's going out of town on the night of the... Uh, on the night of the Ikash it's always better to check the night before as opposed to during the day. Also, we don't sit down to a meal or work a half hour before the time of, of checking. Even if we know our house is totally cleaned out from chametz, we still do the checking with, uh, we still do the checking with a bracha. Okay, now, we just explained the reason why we put out 10 pieces of bread is so it shouldn't be a blessing in vain. That's the underlying reason. If you ever do a bedikas chametz, not in the appropriate time, there's no blessing. So if somebody's going out of town and they're doing the checking in a different time, there's zero reason, zero. There's really no underlying reason to put out the 10 pieces because you're not making a blessing anyway. So the whole custom of putting out the 10 pieces is strictly the, the night of bedikas chametz, the night of the 14th day of Nisan, that's when... We, that, that's when uh, we put out the ten, uh, 10 pieces, but if you're not going to be making a bracha anyway, then it seems there's no custom to put, out the, uh, to, to put out the 10 pieces of bread. And um, finally, yeah, an, another area that's a little more prevalent in St. Louis than when I was uh, living on Yeshiva Lane is pets and dogs and everybody's got their pets. You got to make sure on Pesach, you're not to own chametz. So not only you now that own chametz that you're going to eat, you now that own chametz that your pets are going to eat, and most pet food is chametz. So you have to check the, the dog kennel and all the areas that your dog may have gone to munching on his stuff. That all has to be cleaned out as well. Uh, during Bidikas chametz, it's proper to check one's car. We own our cars. So we have to make sure that our cars are, uh, are checked for chametz. Um, married children who are visiting parents are obligated to check their rooms with a bracha if they're there two days before Pesach because now that's a room that's been given over to them. That's like their, their living quarters. And the same thing applies to somebody going to a hotel. If you show up to your hotel the day before Bedikas Hametz, meaning the day of Bedikas Hametz, you would do a Bedik in your own room. If you show up on Erev Pesach, however, after Bedikas Hametz and there's no Hametz around, so then you, uh, one should do a checking but no bracha is made. What about outdoors? So if somebody has a covered balcony, bedika should be done. You should check that for chametz. You don't need to check your backyard. We rely on the outside animals uh, to have eaten it. A person doesn't need to do bedikas chametz or even do a cleaning and be walking around. You know, maybe one of my kids left some chips around. It's okay. If there's chametz that's outside, the Allah says you could rely on uh, the elements and animals that have taken it. However, if it's protected in some sort of way, some fashion, then one, um, then one would need to check to ensure there's no, uh, there's no chametz on it. Okay, we'll hold it here for as far as the laws of koshering, checking, uh, cleaning, what we need to do, and we'll open it up now to any questions.